Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife Liberty. We're a married couple with different hobbies who try to force them upon each other with the latest news in both books and sports. Today is my attempt to force sports things onto my amazing wife Liberty herself. It sounded like you didn't want to say I was amazing. I did, but I was stumbling for words. I was like, which magical word should I use? And then I was just like, well, amazing sounds great. Well... I think your job is a little bit easier than mine, given that I already liked hockey before I met you, so you're just trying to force other sports upon me. But I also read books before I met you, just not nearly as much as you would have liked. I would hope to God you will have read a book before you met me. Like, jeez. How else does one get through high school and portions of college? <laughs> or, you know, exist. But <laughs> today is not the book episode, it's the sports. Yes. Where would you like to start today? I have... All sorts of news about things in COVID. Well, let's start with the COVID because it seems like the NFL just has everyone making out in the locker room all the time. Or at least that's how I'm assuming they're getting COVID. <laughs> I, I don't think that's exactly how it's being spread. But yeah, they, they seem to have a real problem on you their hands. You don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I would know about that. But you know. Would you? I feel like that would be something that would make the news for sure. Also, it would probably be something the NFL would immediately talk about and be like, hey guys, you need to stop this. Well, the making out in locker rooms part, probably. I thought you were going to say, you have to stop being gay. And that's like very much not on brand. (laughs) Yeah, not at all for us, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, the COVID in the NFL just seems to be an endless issue that they're experiencing right now. The numbers from last week when we discussed were only 40% of the teams were affected so far this season. Let me guess, 75%. Uh, Not quite, but about 70. Mm. So not too far off. So it was uh, not a bad, bad guess. It's been another bad week of COVID issues. A lot of camps being closed, practice facilities being closed. Players and staff members and coaches and assistant coaches all being basically either forced out of games and or practice situations this week. So it was messy. I think the interesting thing that happened is that four assistant coaches for the Miami Dolphins and one for the Cincinnati Bengals and one for the Philadelphia Eagles aren't going to be available for week 10 because of COVID. But it's saying because of COVID protocols. So I don't know if it means like they have it or they came into contact with someone else who has it or what's going on there. It's a mix of things. They're really not talking about positive tests they're trying to keep that as much under wraps because the cba kind of requires them to obviously things have gotten out in the past where players like i know it was this person and they were stupid enough to tell the world about it so you know they're they're trying to hold their cards a little closer to their chest as to like how many positive cases there actually are obviously that number will still be released every single week but they're just not going to name names more or less as to who actually has the positive tests but the Dolphins were also plagued with players this week as well. They had Well, th- with four assistant coaches out, I would assume players also got sick. <laughs> there were an additional three players from the starting roster placed on the COVID slash reserve list this week as well for them. So they're down a total of seven people from their entire team between staff and players. Fun times for the Dolphins. I guess the good saving grace for them is their new starting quarterback is doing pretty well for them. So I guess yay for that. But also you had Chris Hubbard of the Cleveland Browns placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. The Ravens are back currently in intensive protocol, uh, which basically means they're in a higher level of testing. They have to contact trace and all those things in their own organization, cancel practices, all the fun things. Um, Because of a player tested positive, not named, they actually kept that one under wraps. Well, this was the one announced on Thursday, right? Yeah. Okay. Because... 
what I read said that there were no additional high-risk contact is what they said right. after it came out that this guy tested positive, but I didn't know they were doing intensive protocols. Oh, yeah. Fun things. Bill's Josh Norman, who most famously recently was leveled by Henry from the Titans, was a famous stiff arm, one that made all the memes and things about. Oh, okay. Uh, also tested positive this week for COVID-19. Three other players have been added to the reserve COVID-19 list out of caution due to the fact that they were close contact traces. Right. And high risk. But, yeah, it just seemed like it was endless. We could go on and on, like, about staff members and things like that that were testing positive. But those seem to be the big ones that I had. I don't know if you had any more COVID news. Well, also, the Atlanta Falcons announced on Saturday that defensive end Dante Fowler was added to their reserve COVID list. So that's another name that I had that you didn't list. Yes. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have activated Ben Roethlisberger from their COVID list, so he's eligible to play on Sunday, which is the day we're recording. Yeah, I think Steelers fans everywhere are a little bit happy about that. I don't know who he is, but... He's their starting quarterback who has led them to an 8-0 and record. Well, he's from Pittsburgh, so good for him. Yeah, I don't know that you would actually like him as a human being, though. He's done some pretty bad things over the years. But It's a very low bar for me to not like someone. Yeah. So There's a lot of things that can cause you to very quickly spiral to hate of a uh, particular person, at least when it comes to you. I think athletes. athletes need to be held to a higher standard. I don't disagree with you. But also this week in the NFL, on the good side of news, Philip Rivers takes fifth place overall in all-time passing yards while moving up the list past Dan Marino. Speaking of losses to the Dolphins... Another one. Hmm. I don't know any of these people. Yeah. Don't worry. Dan Marino's only a Hall of Famer quarterback who was at one point number five in the overall passing yards, but obviously he's number six now, so. I'm sorry I'm not super into hand egg. Yeah. Did you have any other news this week for the NFL? It was announced on Thursday that The Weeknd is going to perform during Super Bowl halftime show on CBS at Raymond James Stadium, which I don't know where that is. And it's happening on February 7th. Yeah. That's what I got. Yes, the weekend is performing. It's definitely a change from the years past of music styling, but I think considering he's probably only going to have a small portion crowd at the game, it's he's going to be a good performer to kind of just bring some level of intensity to the music. Well, also, the newest album for the weekend came out back in March, right? Yeah. So, like, it would make sense. Yeah. Also this week, head coach Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears decides to finally relieve himself of play calling for the offense. Right. He's having the offensive coach, right? Yes. Yeah. Offensive coordinator uh, to start making the offensive play calls. I literally put after his poor performance this year of third down play calls because it seems to be that's where he's haunting our organization the most. Hopefully giving the offensive coordinator some play calling control from up in the booth will maybe he'll get a little better vision of what's going on on the field and make some better play calls. Fingers crossed the Bears offense will start to turn around. We'll find out tomorrow night. I'm just saying, like I say with hockey, one section of your team does not determine how well your team is going to do. Yeah. It just makes it easier or harder to do well. So I think the big thing right now is that the offense isn't obviously staying on the field long enough, and the defensive players are just getting burned out because they're on the field so much. Like, we have one of the best defenses in the NFL. The problem is, if they're on the field so much, they're not going to be strong enough to really survive the just beating they're getting over and over and over. Well, something's going to get through eventually. Right, exactly. 
But that's all the NFL news I have. I don't know if you have anything else. Just lots of COVID. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure they're standing by their decision to not play in a bubble. Yeah. Because no one can admit to mistakes. But where'd you want to pop off to next? We can do baseball, but I only really found one thing of baseball news. And I don't know if it's just because it's that time of year, I guess, or... Or you there just was ignored a lot no... of baseball news? No, there was a lot of, like, look at possible trades and look at possible blah blah blahs. And it's like, that's not news, that's just you trying to fill the space. There were definitely some things that happened this week, but I'll let you leave with your piece of news. All I know is that a woman got named the GM <laughs> for that one team because we talked about it. I'm really proud of your in-depth <laughs> research on on the subject, I thought for sure this was going to be the one that you were like, I'm ready. I've looked at all the things. I know what she's done with her career. And here are the lines. I was going to be like so proud of my life right here. I was researching this and getting so mad at the male sports writers that I just <laughs> blew it off because... There were some that didn't. and a, a lot of men talking about progress for women. And it's like, you don't have one female staff writer? Who can write this? Because you're just being a misogynistic a-hole. So why don't you, the male, tell us about this woman becoming a GM? Well, how about I tell you a little bit about it as the male (laughs) that did the research and actually pulled up more information than just being angry at writers. She's obviously going to be the first female GM and first Asian American GM in the MLB, which is kind of weird that that is a thing that's happened because baseball is very large in the Asian sports world. So I'm kind of shocked that that is a thing that just now happening, just now is happening. But she did participate in a couple of organizations throughout the years. She was obviously originally part of the White Sox organization from 1990 to 1996. She also was part of the three-time champion era of the Yankees from 1998 to 2001. She has three World Series championship rings. It's not something that, you know, you just kind of frown down upon by any means. And she was the assistant GM at that point in time. So she was literally the second in charge of the organization. So that's pretty crazy. The Dodgers, she was part of that organization from 2002 to 2011, and most recently uh, worked for the MLB Commissioner's Office for being the head of baseball operations for the MLB from 2011 until 2020. So by no means is she underqualified for it, which some writers were originally writing, and I'm like, it was more along the lines of like, who's she? And it's like, are you stupid? Just look around at her career. Like she, she has surrounded herself with a very successful resume by any means. So it did help that she has a connection with the current CEO of the Marlins, Derek Jeter, uh, the ex Yankees player who played on that team, who she, he literally stated that she is probably the reason that that organization was so successful. And all I could think was, Boy, I bet you the current GM and was then GM of the Yankees really appreciates you making that statement, uh, undermining his work as well. But at the same time, that's a really large statement coming from a Hall of Famer going, listen, she was the reason we won so much because she moved the right pieces in the right places. You know, kudos to her. I think it's a job well-deserved based on everything I read about her. I'm excited to see what she does with that organization who definitely needs to do some building to really be successful and I think if she does well here there's no means to stopping her career from being a GM for a larger market team than Miami. I'm pretty excited to see what she does. Again I don't know why people were talking bad about her at first. She definitely comes with a background of what she's going to be doing. She's been an assistant GM 
she was literally running baseball operations. Like, why wouldn't she be qualified for this? So I think that was what pissed me off originally, is people were saying she wasn't qualified. But then you look at how long she's been working in the league, and it's like, you would not be saying that about a man if he had that exact same resume. I'm kind of hoping somebody, like, if she wins her a World Series within, like, the first three to five years as a GM, somebody should make a movie about her because she literally started with an organization as an intern and has worked her way into this role. Like, that is an empowering female story, for sure. If somebody doesn't write a book about it, I'm going to be pretty irate. I don't know. It seems like a, a good story to tell. Right. But there was more news this week, more awards. I kind of gave you guys the heads up on last week's episode that this was the thing that was going to happen. The good news is it's predominantly one person from each league for the titles that were actually given out. So this week we both had the MVP titles from each league announced, and we also had the Rookie of the Year titles announced as well. For the MVP titles in the National League, Freddie Freeman uh, won the award. He's a member of the Atlanta Braves. He won this award even after being hit with a bad case of COVID-19 in July of this year. At one point, he was taken to the hospital with a fever of 104.5. Oh, wow. Um, Doctors basically told him that there's a chance you don't play this season. And conveniently, because the major leagues couldn't get their act together, he was able to play in a majority of the season after he recovered. As well, being a member of a major sporting organization, he probably had the best doctors and care that you could treat such a virus with, kind of in the same boat as kind of the president in that instance where it's like you're going to get the best treatment for whatever you ever deal with. But he ended up leading the NL um, when it came to batting average and RBIs as well. Just the fact that he played in a smaller portion of the games and still led in those categories is pretty pretty darn impressive. Uh, In the American League, it came from the Chicago White Sox, the first baseman, Jose Abreu. He led the MLB in RBIs. Uh, He also is the 10th player to win both an MVP award and Rookie of the Year award during a player's career. So he's part of a pretty elite group in that category. So exciting to see a member of the White Sox in that kind of grouping. I really thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, you were very excited about this one. Yeah. Well, I... Originally felt a little gypped about the Rookie of the Year, and we'll discuss that in a minute, but after looking at the stats of who won the Rookie of the Year, I feel it was kind of like a Kubelik situation earlier in the year where I was like, yeah, maybe he didn't deserve it as much as these other guys did. Yeah. But he also becomes the first winner for the White Sox since Frank Thomas won this award in back-to-back years in 1993 and 1994. So it's been a little bit of a drop for uh, AL MVP for the Chicago White Sox, but it's exciting that uh, we've added that title. It was very sobering to see his acceptance video because being from Cuba, his English is not good enough to not require a translator. So in his speech, he was thanking his um, grandmother for basically pushing him to continue to play baseball because I guess at one point in time he was considering not doing that when he was a kid. And he goes, I wouldn't have been able to do it without her like constantly supporting me into doing it. And growing up in a really poor neighborhood in Cuba, like the odds of getting to the MLB, they're growing now, but as at his age when he was a kid, it was like there were maybe three players that had ever been from Cuba in the major leagues. So like the odds and percentages were near nothing. So kind of an empowering story there as well. So yeah. And then we also have the Cy Young Award winners this week, uh, which basically is the MVP of pitchers, more or less. You have the National League winner went to Trevor Bauer for the Reds. 
He became the first Reds pitcher to win this award. And what's crazy about that is the Reds are the oldest baseball organization in the MLB. They are OG number one. And they have never won the award. There's never been a Cy Young pitcher. That's weird. Ever. There's been a couple runners up, but they've never won the award itself, which is just mind-boggling to me. But Bauer led the National League with an ERA of 1.73 and with a whip score of 0.79. What's a whip score? Walks, hits, innings pitched. It's just an average number, basically. It's a statistic that really helps understand how dominant the pitcher's being in the game, basically, during the time that they're actually on the mound. So... It's, it's a pretty crazy stat. It's not a fun one to try to average out. Baseball is weird. You have weird statistics. <laughs> there's, there's worse ones, I promise you. There are things for things on top of things. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. There's literally one that's tracked called Total Bases, which was included in Jose Abreu's because he led the American League in Total Bases. But I went to go break it down in my notes, and I'm like, Liberty's going to shoot herself in the head if I do it. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just going to avoid this. I would at least consider it. <laughs> that's for sure. Either way, he also threw two complete games and had two full shutouts in the shortened season, which is pretty impressive. Um, He was also able to collect 100 strikeouts while only walking 17 batters during the season, which is unbelievable. Like, that's a crazy statistic. The AL Cy Young winner was won by Shane Bieber, also uh, from Ohio. Cleveland and Cincinnati were the two teams that had Cy Young winners this year, which is weird because it's very rare that you'd ever even have one, let alone two, in one state. Uh, obviously thanks to Cincinnati's record. (laughs) Shane Bieber for the Indians. He uh, won the triple crown of pitching as well by leading the American League in wins, ERAs, and strikeouts. So those are the three main categories that usually measure a pitcher, and he was leading the American League in all three of them. His ERA finished at a 1.63, and his strikeouts to nine-inning average was 14.2. So every nine innings that he pitched, he struck out 14 and two-thirds batters, which is insanity the number is what 14.2 yes that that is not two-thirds in baseball they go by 14.1 14.2 and 14.3 being a full strikeout i thought this was a math sport do they not understand how sports (laughs) math works i guess not what is this but anyways 14.2 strikeouts Uh, for every nine innings pitched okay yep (laughs) you're right Um, i might shoot myself yeah And luckily, that's where the pitching statistics end. So that's the end of that. But it's a really crazy number. The the average usually is in the 10 range. So the fact that he's in a 14 range is still impressive in itself. Okay. What we need to start doing is you just tell me if it's a good number or not. (laughs) Because if you break it down for me, I'm going to shoot someone. Yeah. The Rookie of the Year award was also given out this week. You have the National League Rookie of the Year winner was Devin Williams. He was a relief pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. His ERA was 0.33, 0.33, which is just mind explosion good. Good or bad? Good yeah, or bad? Well, That's all I ex- need to know. Mind explosion good should clarify that for right. you. Uh, his whip, and again, we were talking about whip earlier with Bauer, was 0.86, which is absolutely insanity. He had 53 strikeouts with only 27 innings pitched. And this season, he only allowed a single run to be scored while he was pitching one run in 27 innings across the season as a relief pitcher that is nuts but because he's a relief pitcher he never got a no no 
whatever well it's he called. can't throw no no because he doesn't start the game right yeah so yeah. that was my point yeah but only allowing one run in 27 innings is pretty pretty crazy that's like two no no's well yeah roughly yeah the al rookie of the year winner and this is the one that i was a little bummed out about but again after i read statistics i was like yeah, my guy was good, but he was not this good. Was Kyle Lewis for the Seattle Mariners. He becomes the 12th player to win the award unanimously. He got all 30 of 31st place votes to win the award, um, which is also a crazy statistic to be a part of. His statistics when it came to batting average, hits, RBIs, total bases, they were all through the roof as a rookie. And I totally understand why this man won the award now. I was sitting here on the phone with my dad talking for an hour and a half when that got announced. I was sitting on the computer tweeting about it and I was just like, I was so mad. But at the same time, I was like, okay, let me look this guy up while I was on the phone. And I saw his actual statistics and I was like, all right, I shouldn't be upset at that. And then all of a sudden my anger was like, I need to get off the phone with my dad so I can tweet about this guy. But thoroughly, thoroughly impressed by his statistics. I could go on and on about him, but... I know you don't want to hear it, so uh, I figure when I got to the end of that, I would just stop talking about him. But yeah, that's I've got one more bit of baseball news, and then one bit of COVID baseball news, and then we'll kind of wrap up the MLB unless you have something else. Sounds like you have two pieces of MLB news, and then we'll move on. Yes. Um, the Angels hired their new GM, uh, Perry Menagian. I tried to find a video of people pronouncing his name. I couldn't, but... He's been the assistant GM to the Atlanta Braves for the previous three seasons. So he obviously has some work experience prior to that. He was part of recruiting and staffing and baseball operations for the organization. So again, comes with a long list of resume and that's who they hired. And we'll see if he can fix it. They signed him to a four-year contract. The Angels have had three really strong key pieces and a decent pitching rotation and just been able to do nothing with it. They were second to last in the West this year in the AL. So it's just like, it's weird. They have so much talent and they just can't make it click. And then the Dodgers are currently up to nine positive COVID-19 tests after the World Series fiasco of allowing Turner back onto the field after a positive COVID-19 test and not wearing a mask in the celebration. Go figure that that was going to happen. He shouldn't have been allowed to stay. He should have been immediately kicked out of the whole thing. They should have removed him from the stadium. Let's just be honest. Yeah. But that is all the baseball news I have. That should be the end of awards. There should be no more coming this week. So next week, the MLB is going to be very, very empty in news, I imagine, unless a crazy load of signings happen. Right. But when are they starting the next season? The usual time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're aiming for a normal spring training and a normal season start so far. So, That's cute. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Where do you want to hop off to next? The NBA. Okay. I'll let you lead with your story. I just have a small thing. The Miami Heat named Karen Butler, Caron Butler, as their assistant coach. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud. I was waiting. I'm like sitting here. Sorry for the dramatic pause. I'm literally I was waiting for something else to come out about that. And that's all there is. Today, short stories brought to you by Sports from Liberty. You know, you don't bring any book news to the podcast. You know what? I did bring book news to the podcast last week. Thank you very much. Either way, 
When it comes to NBA news, there is a little bit more than that. The NBA is going to require at least one home preseason game before the regular season starts, just to kind of give players more than a scrimmage to warm up and be ready for the NBA season. As well, the Golden State Warriors are planning on spending $30 million this uh, upcoming season to have fans in their home games. This would possibly allow them to have up to 50% stadium capacity by current standards in the state of California, which is nuts because the standards in California are actually being taken seriously in major cities. So the fact that the state is on board with this is like, you all have done something right, clearly. Like the the proof is in the paperwork in this instance. This would allow the organization to test every fan, employee, and player with a rapid COVID-19 PCR test before the games. You basically would have to report about an hour before the game and they would test you and you would have to more or less kind of meander around and wait to go in to take your seats after your test comes back positive or negative. Obviously, if you come back positive, they don't let you in the stadium or the people that you came with. So kind of can affect everything there with the seating a little bit. But I think it's smart. You know, if you want to have fans, you should be allowing them to be tested on your dime if you're going to charge them to come see a game, you know, and put them at risk. But fans would be required to wear masks and follow social distancing guidelines when they're out of their seats. While they're in their seats and they're not eating and or drinking, they would also be required to have their masks on. This would be enforced by the on-site security, which they will also be doubling in order to keep tabs on the fans. Which... Again, uh, if fans do not follow these guidelines, they can be removed from the stadium. Right. Um, and not only can they, I would imagine they would be because I'm sure otherwise the state of California would not be on board with this. I'm sure it's in the fine print when you go to buy your tickets now that yeah. you have to follow protocols or else you're forfeiting your ticket, basically. Yeah, without refund. So I think it's cool and nerve-wracking at the same time but it's it's i think it's a really good thing to try to bring fans slowly but surely back into stadiums as long as it's being done properly and it sounds like it's being done properly you know by everything that the organization can really control as well this week uh tampa bay is becoming basically the leading city to host the toronto raptors for their temporary home during the upcoming nba season since canada is not going to allow american teams to travel back and forth and compete in professional athletic events which i totally understand and i know that last week we were down to three cities so it's good to kind of see somebody jumping out on the race a little bit as well this week the oklahoma city thunder announced they are promoting mark Deneau to head coach He's been the head coach for Oklahoma City's G League team for the last five years. It's basically like the minor league team of the NBA. So, again, somebody with a good enough resume to get the job, and it's exciting to see somebody get an opportunity being brought up. It's kind of like your head coach was in Pittsburgh, you know, brought up from Wilkes-Bear, Scranton. So, similar, similar situation. And then the NBA board approves amendments to the CBA which will allow free agency to begin on November 20th. Both the NBA and the NBA Players Association agreed to the current amendments of the CBA. So the NBA season will be starting on time, barring any surprises. Right. But that's all the NBA news I have this week. I really expected them to take longer with the CBA agreement. Well, they did delay it four times. Well, but still, you're talking about player money, and as we've seen with Major League Baseball, that can take a while. Yeah. So I I really expected them to have to push back the start date for the season. 
Did you want to go to your favorite sport, or do you want to continue with soccer from this week? We're doing soccer now. Okay. You're leading us off, or do you want me to lead us off? Well, I have MLS news. Do you have MLS news? I don't, because I don't, okay. so I there don't we go. follow it well enough. So the <laughs> Philadelphia Union won its first supporter's shield. <laughs> I'm sorry, that laugh is going to be awful for the recording. But Philadelphia Union, ugh. That's just how I feel about that city. And I can say that because I've technically been there. So there we are. Anyway, they won their first supporter shield, which is a quote-unquote fan-given trophy for most amount of points. But they didn't want to do it this year. Fans lashed out. They decided to do it. Philadelphia technically won it. Well, the big issue was, and and I know enough about the MLS to speak on this, (laughs) which is very little, was that there were so many games that were either canceled or just never played. Like, they didn't even try to start them, you that know. That sounds like canceled. Yeah, more or less. But they never played all the games to an even number for each team. So, like, right. the, I understand the argument behind it. It's like, well, maybe they play more games, therefore they have more opportunity to win it. So... Well, they also argued that the fans aren't technically allowed to be there for the most part, and so why would we give away a fan-given trophy if the fans aren't there? And the fans were like, BS, just give the effing trophy out. So they didn't. Right. And now the decision day is over. We have our clinched playoffs for the most part. You still have four teams that are going to have to play in to the Eastern Conference. So the clinched playoff spots in the Eastern Conference are the Philadelphia Union, Toronto FC, Columbus Crew SC, Orlando City SC, New York City FC, New York Red Bulls. Teams that are playing in or trying to play into the playoffs are Nashville SC, New England Revolution, Montreal Impact, and Inter-Miami CF. It broke my heart. The Chicago Fire, one point. Right. They missed qualifying, and they lost to Inter Miami to do it. So it was heartbreaking. I mean, you would have probably had to play in. Yeah. But. Still, one spot away from a playoff play-in position. Yeah. And then in the Western Conference, there are no play-in spots. It's just everyone moves straight to the next round. The way it should be. And the teams are Sporting Kansas City, Seattle Sounders FC, Portland Timbers, Minnesota United FC, Colorado Rapids, FC Dallas, LAFC, and San Jose Earthquakes. Fakest sounding name for a team I've ever heard. Yeah, the big one is uh, honestly that the LA Galaxy after, for the most part, dominance of the MLS over a number of years when it comes to always making the playoffs misses for the first time in like a long period of years. Right. They, they played pretty poorly. They had six wins and four draws and 12 losses this season. It was ugly. There's a reason their coach got fired. Yeah. And the MLS president and deputy commissioner Mark Abbott said that the league is aiming to start the 2021 season in early March. They were considering doing April instead to have more off time or prep for the next season or whatever. But they realized they really couldn't with how international soccer stuff is going to go next year. So they had to start at their regular March. It is currently projected that the 2021 season would begin without a bubble and teams playing in their home markets. So you wouldn't have any like inter-market play at the beginning of the season. This has to be adjusted like throughout the season as they go, obviously, but that's how they're starting. 
I think a lot of the commissioners of sports are have very high hopes of what can come next year. They're hoping this nonsense is knocked out by like July 4th or earlier. Right. And with the way it's going in the U.S., I really don't see that happening. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. We have hopefully a new president as long as we don't go into a full-on civil war, in which case we'll be broadcasting you live from a Republican state during the civil war, in which case enjoy and hopefully we don't get arrested. But... Anyways, back to the reality of things. Uh, That took a turn. (laughs) For conspiracies, right? I just have to say, with how liberal I am, I really think I would be arrested. So enjoy doing the podcast by yourself. Yep. But moving on to international soccer. Do you have international soccer news? Yeah, because there were no normal league plays. It's an international break right now, so there's a lot of international soccer to talk about. That sounds Um, good, if you like soccer. Yeah, uh, you had some friendlies that were played internationally this week. I predominantly stayed in the European theater just because there were far too many games to keep pace on. Let's be honest, because that's where you like your soccer. Yeah. Well, the reality is I I really do love international soccer the most. I don't know. It's just something I've always been really, really attached to. So when I see other countries playing other countries, I get excited. It's just fun stuff. But the Nations League was this week, which, you know, I have the same opinions about the MLS. I don't think it's needed necessarily in existence because you already have the Euros and you have the World Cup. Nobody really cares about this weird third redheaded stepchild, the Nations League, that's appeared. But... It was an exciting week. You had a lot of teams clinching their groups in the group stages, so there was a lot going on this week. The biggest being Germany defeated the Ukraine 3-1. They were down 1-0, and everybody, at least even the sports commentators that were commenting the game, were like, let's see if Germany's unpredictability-ness will be capable of overcoming this gap now that they're behind the 1-0 lead. The first goal was scored by Roman Yarmachuk from the Ukraine in the 12th minute. And I'll be honest, when I got that score update, I was like, well, here we go. We're going to just tumble right down and let the Ukraine defeat us. They're in fourth place in the group, and they're going to upset the first place team. Might as well, you know, go for it. These things happen. But Leroy Sané basically clinched the tie there with a goal in the 23rd minute. And then Timo Werner, who recently went to Chelsea via Red Bull Leipzig this offseason, scored in the 33rd and 64th minute to just obliterate the opposing team. And it was an exciting game to watch. By no means did Ukraine just lay down and take the loss. Like, they had some very good scoring opportunities, having watched the highlights from it. And so I'm impressed. Honestly, they were the fourth-place team coming into this match. I didn't expect them to play this well, but I guess you, when you're in fourth place and you're pretty much already eliminated, you have nothing to lose. So, like, you, you had to win for them to stay relevant in the Nations League. So, you know, play your hearts out, which was nerve-wracking, for sure, <laughs> being on the receiving end of that. France also clinched their top spot in the group by defeating uh, Portugal 1-0. The goal was scored by N'Golo Conti. And then the weird one this week in the Nations League was Spain uh, drew out with Switzerland, which is very rare. Obviously, Spain being one of the normal soccer powerhouses of Europe. And Switzerland always kind of fielding a mediocre team. They never really field a phenomenal team by any means. Uh, I'm not going to talk 100% bad about Switzerland because a couple of their players play for Bayern Munich. They can't be all that bad, though. Right. They're not an awful team by any means, but they're just, they're not a powerhouse like Spain normally is. So the fact that they drew out 1-1 was kind of a, a, a shocker, for sure. The rest of the world of soccer, again, far too many games to talk about. We'd be here for five hours if we did. The United States played this week. They also play tomorrow. So, How's the U.S. doing? Um... Uh, 
Just leave it at meh. So poorly. Well, the men's team is not good, and they haven't been for a number of years. How's the women's team? Uh, they're the champions currently. Yeah. Of the world. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, two-time, back-to-back champions, actually, to be precise. So there's that. But beyond that, that's pretty much all the soccer news I have. I do have a little bit of Formula One news, so if you have more soccer news, we'll continue with that. But No, um, let's, let's get into racing. Yeah. Why not? Did you write down Formula One news about it? Absolutely not. I'm, it was breaking news this morning, so I, I'm not shocked. Um, Did someone wreck? No. Oh, good. Lewis Hamilton. The uh, only time I would think racing is breaking news is someone getting hurt. No. Okay. In this instance, it's tying an all-time record. Um, oh, okay. Lewis Hamilton becomes the youngest driver in the history of Formula One to win his seventh world title, tying him with the title holder, Michael Schumacher, with the seven wins by winning this early this morning in the Turkish GP the Grand Prix. He's only 35 years old, as I stated, and it's his fourth straight world title. He's expected to shatter it, obviously, without a doubt. There are some challengers that have been coming up and giving him a little bit more complicated time about it. Last year, he won it in record time when it came to races. This year, I think there's only like one more race left in the Formula One season, so it came to the end, almost. Okay, so... Break this down for me. Formula One is like a league, basically. Like Formula it's a... One is the the number one racing league, shy and of like NASCAR's tiers and all that stuff. We're not talking about NASCAR. Yeah. Okay, I don't live out in the sticks drinking beer all day. And only turning left and then going straight. Right. But it's made up of a bunch of different races. Correct. All around the world. Okay. Like most good racing leagues, like the World Rally Classic, where, you know, they race in all ends of the world, the world, you know, every continent. Is Formula One the one where they don't just race on, like, streets and stuff? They also do, like... No, that's Rally. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be the WRC, which is also the elite in rally car racing. Don't get me started about Travis Pastrana and being a sissy and not ever racing in the WRC. But yeah, it it's the elite version of it. They race all around the world. The probably most common one I really wish I would have taken you up to see while we were in California was the Long Beach Grand Prix. It, obviously being just outside of LA, they actually race through the streets and things like that, as well as like race tracks. But the Grand Prix are usually in major cities. So I guess kind of they do race on streets, but it's more like tarmac. It's not necessarily like dirt or anything like that or gravel. Okay. Yeah. There are some famous ones that are out there as well. But anyways, he won his seventh world title. But that's all the news I have shy of NHL stuff. So if you have something in the weird world of news. Uh, no. My weird news was a couple weeks back with CrossFit. Yeah. That's about it. So going on to the only sport that actually matters, (laughs) at least to me. I was going to say, some of our listeners might disagree with that statement just slightly. They can be wrong too. Okay. That's fine. I looked into the current rumblings about how the NHL is going to be structured for the next season, which they're still planning on January 1st being the first day for that. Yeah, they hit three different crazy options, so. And my brain went, what? Yeah. So, I currently have no clue what they're actually thinking about doing. My understanding is there's the possibility of doing teams hosting at home and having, like, multiple hub cities. That's my understanding of a possible plan. Yeah, so the NHL is considering a total of three options currently, and I'll break it down Barney style, as you like to say sometimes, and kind of 
go over it. The first option is a realignment of the conferences and divisions. This is temporary. Yes. Yes. Having a short-term hubs to play the beginning of the season out and then adjusting according to COVID. I think realistically this is the best option for long-term for the NHL for the season. I just I don't know what they're going to end up doing. The other option is to play normal home games, which conveniently in a weird way, has been growing support throughout the week. Players would be forced to stay in hotels with each other and not allowed out, so they would technically be in bubbles. They'd be traveling on their own plane with the same staff, tested the same way they were in the hubs originally for the playoffs. So it's very stringent in the way that they'd be able to travel. They wouldn't be able to stay at home. They'd have to stay in a hotel while they're in their own home games. Yeah. So like it, it's probably the best plan for travel and home games to be involved. The staff of the planes for the same teams or group that would be cleaning it and, you know, stewardesses and things like that for the flight would all be the same people. And it, they would be staying in the same hotels. Everybody would be staying together. The NHL would book these hotels and they would be the same rooms that the previous teams have stayed in as well, so that it would be deep cleaned between rotations. Right. It's a disastrous mess as to how deep this would have to go into play to control it, but I think, honestly, in my opinion, it's it's truly the best option overall. Obviously, the NHL right now is not considering fans being in the stadiums at the current moment. Which is good, unlike some other leagues. Which would allow them to really control these traveling bubbles, basically. Which I think honestly would be the best thing for like fairness of the way the schedule actually breaks down. Like for every individual team. There's nobody playing on home ice more than they should be. Is the way I look at it. The third option is a full conference restructure into a three conference organization. You'd have the Western United States, the Eastern United States for the conferences. And then you'd have a conference in Canada. Um, and this is because of the teams that are in Canada who wouldn't want to be traveling back and forth? It's related to the fact that Canada doesn't want U.S. organizations right. traveling to Canada. The reality is this is probably the most likely to be picked. And because the government of Canada is not giving up, even though the NHL is like, listen, we can control all this stuff just like this. And it'll be 100% secured by our staff. All these things will be monitored by our staff that will be following these teams around in these situations. And honestly, I think that should be good enough for the Canadian government. Because again, there's not going to be fans interacting with these people. I just have two things of consideration for this one. One being, what about teams not from Canada having to play these teams? Because like you, you play outside of your division, outside of your conference. So, like, what are they supposed to do for those games? So, with the three conferences, that would more than likely be locked in for the entire season. And I'm not sure how you would play a championship well, at that point. Like, It's not even that. It's You have so many games you play in your conference, but you also play teams that are in your matches. Right. conference. So, yeah. what would they do about that? Because... They don't know. And that's that's where I don't like this third plan. I mean, someone's going to have to play a Canadian team that's not a Canadian team at some point. Right. So that's not even putting that into consideration with this plan. So I don't like it. Yeah, it, it would reorganize into those three conferences, two divisions in each conference. They would obviously have to start figuring out how they would do their playoff picture because the playoff picture for the NHL has always been based off of a Western and Eastern conference. And that's it. So I don't know how they would have 
a situation where they would be able to merge this in. Maybe they just split Canada into East and West and they break it down that way. Possibly um, for playoffs, yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. It's truly a mess. And also, you've got the thing you were telling me about, which is the Canadian government wants to make it so that when you play hockey, you're not allowed to do like a real physical contact. That's in certain provinces in Canada, actually. It's predominantly Ontario that's having that problem. F you, Ontario. Um, All of Ontario. And if you haven't watched it, there have been some highlights from the from that province with their Junior Hockey League of Quebec. And Does it look like children playing hockey? It's weird. It, I feel so bad for the defensemen because they can't make plays but putting their bodies in front of shots. Like, the way it looked to me when I was watching it, it really seemed... Like, there was always one team on a power play mm-hmm. because they can freely pass the puck unless somebody puts a stick in there to block it and make it turn over. Like, they're not allowed to make body-to-body contact. They have to use the stick to poke check and body check and those types of things. My only concern is they better be a little bit more relaxed about calls like hooking and, you know, slashing you calls hope. because, like, it's almost impossible to avoid it. Right. The the way you first described it with people jumping in front of shots, it's like the opposite of dodgeball. It's a hard puck instead of a ball. It's vulcanized rubber instead of a rubber ball. Yeah. And then you're wanting to be hit by it to stop the shot. So it was weird. I watched some of the highlights from one of the first games. Also, while I was on the phone with my dad. Sorry, dad. It seems like I wasn't completely ignoring you if you're listening to this, but I wasn't. It's just, it's weird. I don't. I don't like it, and if that's the way they're going to require the NHL to be, I don't think the NHL should play in that province right. at all. They should not play there. And and that would be a fair punishment to deal on the government, who also collects monies from these organizations. I really think that the Canadian teams need to accept that they're just going to be away teams this year. Or just pick arenas like the Toronto Raptors are doing. Pick somewhere else. There's all sorts of AHL stadiums that you can pick right. from to play in. If you want to play in one with a little bit of history, go to San Diego. Play in the sports arena. It is an unbelievable venue. Super private. And honestly, I think it would be cool. Do you not still have a super minor league team there, the goals? The goals are the AHL team for the Anaheim Ducks. Are they? Yes. I thought they were lower. No. They were when I was a kid, but they have not been since. That's why I thought that probably. Yeah. Either way, three options. None of them exactly what sound perfect. Sound great, but <laughs> the fact something of the matter has is, to get picked. The fact of the matter is the NHL is working on this. It seems like the Players Association is on board with most of these plans. They just they want more solid information about it before they agree on it, obviously. Well, if I can come up with dumb questions, I'm sure other people <laughs> have plenty more than Representation I Representation from a union might as well. Go figure. Right. right. So hopefully they come up with something and soon the clock is sort of ticking down. Yeah. But I also have news from the Krakens. Are they Krakens? The or just Kraken? the Kraken? I think they're the Kraken. I don't know. Yeah. We're the Penguins. We're not the Penguin. Yeah. I just got an image of the penguin from Batman playing hockey. (laughs) Okay, that's completely off the point. The Seattle Kraken expect their practice facility to be ready in the summer of 2021. Seattle will enter the NHL in 21-22 season. And their Climate Pledge Arena, where they'll be playing all their home games, is expected to be completed later in the summer of 2021. Their practice facility is going to be ready before their actual home facility. Go figure. It's a lot bigger. Yeah. And the cool thing about that stadium is it's going to be 
powered by 100% renewable energy, which is fantastic, I think, in that instance. And it really makes sense to the Washington way where they're just kind of very green up there, you know, not only in the mountains and in the forest, but also all the rain energy usage. Yeah, yeah. Also, I saw some of their details for what they're doing for their practice facility and their main home site. And they're trying to make it like this area with a bunch of restaurants and like shopping and one of the bars is supposed to overlook the facility where you can see them practicing and stuff and so like it's interesting. So it's not going to be enclosed or is there going to be like a restaurant inside the practice Uh, facility? A restaurant inside and attached so that they can be in the bar eating and drinking and being fat watching people be athletes and work really hard. As somebody who gets or has plans to travel to all the arenas, I think that would be a cool one to, to be a part of, at least yeah. a little bit. I think that is for their practice facility that they have that. But that'd still be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like if we went to Seattle, I would make time to go and watch a practice. Speaking of other teams being created and added, um, the Vegas Golden Knights announced their new AHL affiliate. They will be called the Henderson Silver Knights. <laughs> <laughs> That was the look, and I'm sorry, you guys, you can't see it, but that was the look I was expecting when I saw that. That's probably the same look I had on my face. It just sounded so cheesy. And Are honestly, we in an effing Disney movie? Come on. The jerseys, and I don't know if you have the time to look it up right now. Hilarious. I will find the time to look it up right now. They are hilarious. They're they look, the Vegas Silver Knights? They're the Henderson Silver Knights. They actually just launched a hype video for the team. Obviously, last season and the season before that, the Chicago Wolves were the AHL team for them. It kind of didn't make sense for Chicago to be their location of their AHL team since they play in the Western Division of the AHL. What the hell is this? It's what it is. That looks disgusting. Yeah. I'm glad you could show that. (laughs) support the Henderson Silver Knights. (laughs) I do not support this at all. It was really weird. Their logo looks like some sort of decrepit alien horse thing. Yeah, it's not a good logo. The Golden Knights logo, a much better logo than that. Did they have a five-year-old design this? (laughs) I hope not. This is what happens when you just have me look stuff up and talk about it. Jeez, <laughs> I cannot filter my thoughts. Yeah, live live thoughts brought to you by Liberty. <laughs> wow. And then this week, the big, really news in the NHL, other than like scheduling stuff, the announcement of the reverse retro jerseys by Adidas. They gave like little hints to every team's like styling of it. Okay. I think the weirdest one to come out is that the Colorado Avalanche are going to be doing a retro Nordiques inspired jersey. So it's not even going to be an Avs jersey because realistically the Avs symbol hasn't really changed that much over the years. And since they were the Nordiques before they became the Avalanche, they're going to do a retro Nordiques jersey as their reverse retro jersey for Adidas. Which I think is kind of cool. Like going back to the history of the organization before it was in Colorado. But at the same time, you don't see Dallas doing a North Stars retro jersey. But later this week, they should be announcing and releasing the imagery for all the jerseys for the full thing. So we should be able to see it and talk about it next week. So right now they're just doing like partial releases? Sneak previews, basically. Like you get color pattern stuff, but not really the full jersey. Honestly, the Blackhawks one from the little snippets looked pretty good. Is that not mine? Yeah, it was leaked. Yeah. Yeah. Your Penguins one was. Well, I mean, it has our colors. And it is the retro format of it. And there's a penguin on it. Yes. There we are. <laughs> I I don't know that I personally like that 
Jersey. Yeah. I feel like they've always done Pittsburgh dirty when it comes to the retros. Yeah. So why is it called reverse retro? Because it's reverse color pattern from what the retro jerseys look like. So if you actually look at your old Penguins jersey, you would know that that area that's white is black normally or a gold color. They made it white instead. I prefer darker colors. Maybe that's why I didn't like that one too yeah. much. And then I had one signing this week that I talked about. It was a Dallas player here, um, Rupe Hints. Signed a three-year, $9.45 million contract. So he got the contract he deserved after the way he played last year. So, But do you have any other NHL news to wrap us up for the day? Well, it's Penguins related, so that's fitting. All right. So our coach, Mike Sullivan, came out and said on Thursday, I think, yep. that Kasperi Kapanen will start this season for the Penguins on the first line with Crosby and Gensel. I feel like that's early to make a judgment on. Huh? And he said it's because of the player's speed. We acquired him as part of a six-player trade in late August, if you remember. Oh, boy, do we know. We talked about that one. And Crosby and Gensel have played on a line with various players for the past couple of years, the main ones being Rust and Simone. And so I feel like Crosby and Gensel can always do good work together when they're healthy and not injured from running into the boards with their shoulder. I think adding another player in is always going to be a lot easier when you have those two core pieces. So I think it could be good. I do agree with you that it's probably a little bit early to be talking about who's playing on what line, but also it's not that early considering the fact that we're less than two months out from another season starting. You still have some time, but like Thanksgiving's coming up for the Americans. You've got Christmas coming up for those who celebrate Christmas, so... Or whoever celebrate other holidays in that time period. Right. A lot of holidays are coming up, so it'll seem like we have a lot of time, but really, how much time are they putting on the ice at that given moment? Right. But that's it for me, as far as the NHL news and, you know, all the other news. Yeah, I had a lot of rumors I could have talked about this week, because... That is not news. Because that is the time of year we are in, but yeah, no news otherwise. So... We really appreciate you guys giving us a listen. We'll see you guys on Thursday for the release of the book episode. And this is just a reminder, we are not going to be recording and putting out episodes the week of Thanksgiving. We will be taking the week off. So this is the last sports episode before we come back from our Thanksgiving break. Yep, which means we will have two weeks worth of sports. Be ready for it. It'll probably be a really long episode if we're honest. Yep. People are going to be nailing down plans for how to get back into seasons and so on. Yeah, as well, I will do my best to stay up to date with you guys on social media throughout this upcoming week and the week after that, just so, you know, you don't forget about us because we'll still be here. And then we'll see you in two weeks for sports. And we'll see you this Thursday for books. All right. Make sure you check out all the social media, which will be linked in the show notes. Bye, guys. Bye.